You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, it is the weekend. Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to EVH and Gear TV. We are live. It's going to be our final episode, final broadcast of 2018. I can't believe that, but we've brought back a familiar face, uh, guitarist Jeff Schroeder from the Smashing Pumpkins. Jeff, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be here. Nice to have you back. And for yeah, th- yeah, good to be back. For those that don't know, sometimes some of some of my viewers watch some of the different shows I run. Some of them watch all of them. Some watch certain ones. But I had Jeff here on the show on my other show, The Helix Hour, and uh, that would be back in the in the midsummer, I think it was. Or mid- it was June, yeah, 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 or yeah, it was June. It was June because we were in L.A. doing our kind of last final rehearsals before we moved to Phoenix to do like the final production rehearsals for the tour. Yeah, yeah, that was great. It was June. Cool. Yeah, well, so good. About six months. It's good to have you back. And it's uh, I was just always unanswered questions, which is always nice. <laughs> I like to have so many questions prepared for my guests that if we don't get through them, we can always uh, take a rain date and reschedule and do some more as well to our return visit. So it's nice to have you back. Uh, so how was your Christmas? Did you do anything much for Christmas or just kind of relax a little bit? Uh, Christmas was good. Uh, my family is out in L.A. So and I was ended up because we finished the tour in L.A. Mm-hmm. So actually stayed there for about 10 days after the tour and kind of did my Christmas early. And then I came back here. So on actually Christmas day, um, I went and hung out at my, um, guitar teacher's house. Okay. Cause he has a five year old son and it was cool. It, It was actually awesome. So we just had breakfast, opened some presents and then, uh, actually played guitar for about two hours. He ran me through the ringer of, uh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, playing some jazz tunes. So it was fun. That's fantastic. I love to hear that too. I've I had a few guitar players on the show where, you know, they're very accomplished musicians, but yet they take lessons and instruction. And I think that's very humbling and very, very cool. And I think you might've alluded to this. I forget a little bit about um, what you started to tell me on the Helix Hour, but you, that it was amazing, mainly the jazz stuff that you're trying to learn or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do with my teacher. It's just straight up. Yeah. We, we don't do any rock stuff. I mean, okay. he, he's actually a great rock player too. And he went to MI in the early nineties and he's only a year older than me. So he grew, so, and he's a Van Halen nut as oh, cool. well, actually, because we, and so he, he went to MI in the early nineties. And so Paul Gilbert was still around, you know, doing seminars and stuff. So I think he, he even took like a lesson with him and, but he, you know, so he got to study with all the guys like Joe DiOrio was still there, Scott Henderson, like kind of, it was still in the heyday of the kind of that first wave. So he gets the rock thing too, but we play, yeah, but for the lessons and stuff, it's, yeah, we just play actually jazz tunes, standards and stuff. Are you enjoying it? It's, I, oh yeah, it, it kind of, um, it's so different, you know, and for a while it really, I, you know, it, it seemed like it's just like almost playing like a different instrument, you know, because it's the mentality. But now it's finally starting to wear that way of thinking about the guitar and the neck and notes and note choices and voice leading and all that stuff is now it's starting to creep into just my playing in general because, you know, with rock, you tend to you know, the songs in the key of E minor and you just, every lick you know in that key up and down the fretboard. But this, you can't really do that. You're having to modulate all the time. And um, so now it, 
you know, that, that way of thinking of kind of thinking more chord to chord Mm -hmm. and kind of bringing the most out of what, you know, what is actually building the harmony of the song. Um, that's starting to creep into even my rock playing now too. Finally, I think that's cool. (laughs) At least I I hope so. But it, no, dude, let me tell you, it's hard. It, (laughs) it, It is like, I was very naive. I thought that, Hey, I, you know, can play guitar. Okay. I've been playing for a while and you know, um, I thought take a couple lessons, learn some good. I learn some learn a couple licks. I'd be I'd sound like you know like Frank and Bali or something. <laughs> <laughs> but little did I know it's it's a completely different beast and um, and it's been it's a lot of work and it really you know different you know than rock is is also too is you know rock you use most of the time you're playing you get the drummer just back there like keeping it together where. You know, jazz time is more important, but no one's necessarily playing the strong beats all the time. So you are personally responsible for keeping time. Gotcha. So that's a whole other thing. But so once you start getting that together, that makes your rock playing even way better. And that's, you know, someone like Van Halen, his time was so good. And I think because he grew up with hearing that type of rhythm, maybe his dad playing in the house, I think Big he band. kind of had that very intuitive sense of of having like that you know that kind of swing in his head Mm -hmm. so even when he played it really came through his playing so yeah so that's that's but the stuff that we work on is just yeah we're learning standards and trying to play the (laughs) play chord tones and stuff (laughs) this might sound silly but so yourself being like a rock player your whole life i want to try to attribute this to learning a new language so you're a rock guy and a lead player a lot of the time and so it maybe think of it like learning the French language. You you speak English, uh, native English, and you want to learn French. Well, you watch a few movies, you think I can probably pick up that accent or that language. It's not too hard. And you study it, you realize how hard <laughs> it is. But maybe learning a whole new style completely different to what you're used to is almost like picking up another language. No, it is actually a very good analogy. It really is. And 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 in fact, you know, when they talk about jazz, they really talk about you learn jazz language mm-hmm. and so that is so when you're learning like charlie parker tunes and charlie parker songs you know you're breaking apart like oh what did he do over that chord and you're learning bits of so even if it's say say like a two you know two b eighth note phrase that's actually like syntax that's language mm-hmm. and so you learn how to incorporate that like okay i can play it over those notes those intervals work over a dominant chord but now can I change the intervals and use that same structure and play it over a minor chord or, you know, a minor two chord. And so you start learning that and, you know, try to incorporate that language into your, into your plan. So they really do. So it really is like learning a different language and it's a tough one. We, we can all benefit from a bigger vocabulary too. I mean, we look at some of these guitar heroes out that are out there. Yeah. I think I read actually in one of your bios that Ace Frehley was an influence of yours. And we're going to talk in depth about some of your influences later on. But someone like Ace Frehley has a limited vocabulary as far as chops, but he's a guitar hero. But I think all of us uh, as musicians out there can like, really expand our, we can always benefit from expanding our vocabularies, whether sure, it's the sure, language of yeah, speaking yeah. or on the instrument. Well, and then, you know, but that's, you know, and some people need a lot of words to say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. And some people can say things very simply, you know, but the thing with, with Ace Freely, which I think is ultimately whether no matter what style you play, whether it's rock or jazz or blues or, or funk or whatever. Um, and what Ace has <clears throat> is he has a unique voice he does. and that's really the most important thing. Yep. You know, 
you hear three notes, his vibrato, it's no doubt, no doubt who it is, you know, and that's, that's, you know, and that's to really understand that as a musician has taken me a long time to go like, what is that? How does that, you know, um, that mentality, yes, like, like influence even how you practice, how you play, how you pick the guitar, how you strum to get that type of everything that you do to try and kind of at least bring some type of your own personality, your own personal voice into your playing. That's, 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 that's really the, you know, for, for the, to me, that's really what differentiates like really good guitar players Mm -hmm. and people that are the greats, the ones that we're talking about. Oh, exactly. They, They usually have that other thing. That's right. There's yeah. there's so many guitar players now these days. I'm starting to gravitate down to a smaller uh, kind of pool of guitar players, and I'm I'm starting to enjoy guitar players that don't shred. We, I, one of my friends on Facebook today, Bill Lanero, was just talking about this. He's talking about watching all these guitar players out there that can just shred like crazy. But you know, it's sometimes the notes that you choose not to play could be some of the sweetest notes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, negative space, right? Yeah. You know, that's really what defines space. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. And there's there's some guitar players out there. I, I put Ace Frehley in this list. I Trust me, I love Kiss. Kiss was my first favorite band. Uh, and Ace Frehley will always be my guitar hero, even before oh, Eddie. You know, yeah. no disrespect yeah. Eddie, but, you know, <laughs> it is just larger than life. Um, but I could talk about Kiss on here all the time, but I'll, I'll mention a couple other guitar players. One just off the top of my head, I think is absolutely amazing. That isn't a shred demon, but he has his voice is Tom Morello. Um, I love his playing. I love what he uses, even like using like Allen wrenches on his strings, you know, just, he knows how to use his voice. He's just, again, you know, he's someone who from the first album mm-hmm. just created his own world, his own universe that, he plays in and that's i mean that's why you know 20 30 years later we're still talking about him because yeah absolutely i mean he's a great example of that like he's you know and and if you really think about it too as a player um to be able to kind of make certain things certain motifs or certain sounds or some like that are identified with you, like, mm-hmm. you know, his stuff that he does with the whammy pedal, like the kind of stuff he does with the toggle switch that kind of mimics, you know, like the record scratching and all that kind of stuff. I mean, those are things that that are that are attributed to him, you know. So to be a player that has actually contributed to the lexicon of, of guitar vocabulary is huge. I mean, that's, that's you know, I, I'll, I'll do, you know, all the respect in the world to someone like that. It's amazing. It's, we have we're we're blessed to have talent like that, and because a lot of people measure talent by the the number of notes, like as we just talked about a moment ago, and choosing the right ones and having that voice uh, from the onset. Like we talked about Tom. I mean, some of these people enter the scene and they have their voice. I don't want to go as far as saying Jimi Hendrix because Jimi Hendrix is is a is a dual level. He had the the voice and was a shredder per, per, per se. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah, a guitar yeah, hero. for his era for sure. Yeah. I mean, he was doing he was doing stuff that no one else was like people like. Like, holy smokes. <laughs> had the voice and had kind of technique beyond measure. Look, I mean, I mean, he had it all, like the style, look, the plane, the tone, the everything. Yeah, you know I mean? that's right. Yeah. Let's jump over and say hi to a bunch of people over in the chat. We're going to come back and see until we're talking about Christmas. You showed me something that uh, uh, Santa brought for you. Um, and we'll have a look at that in a second as well, too. We've got a bunch of people here tonight, full house of people. We've got Gary Holt here, Daryl Qualls, uh, JJ's House of Jams. 
Uh, Adam Avh is here, and uh, let me see. Adam. Yeah, actually, not not that Adam, but another Adam. But that oh, Adam is Adam. here too. Oh, okay. okay. He's okay, he's okay. here as well too. That's right. That's F U tone, Adam. That's, that's right. right. Uh, Vincent's here. Uh, Brad Miller, Nocturnal Butterfly, my better half, running the chat uh, beautifully as always. Uh, Paulie D is here. Uh, Seo um, Sugiyama checking in from Japan. Hello in advance, Jeff and friends. Nice to have you tuning in from Japan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know Seo. She's a she's a good supporter of the band and every yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Uh, Adam AVH, I mentioned. Blackie DH is here. Uh, let me see here. Scroll down a little bit more. There is our FU Tone friend. He says, hey, now, Adam's here. <laughs> we'll be talking some Futone <laughs> Adam, tonight. You know, Adam is the reason I know that I, that is how I found out about this show, is I saw that he was on it, whatever. He's one of, probably one of your early guests. Right, yeah. We're probably talking some Futone or talking some, uh, yeah, maybe yeah. when the miniature guitars come out or something of that nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam is a great person in the community. He's really... Um, brought me together with so many other players, and I mean, he's really one of those people that that you know, kind of behind the scenes, that actually kind of keeps this community together. He's a great guy. We go back to 2000, and and uh, I've had a great friendship ever since. It's just absolutely amazing. It's so funny. He endorsed my band way back, like in 2000, and I had super stupid long hair back then. And then, oh, yeah, and, yeah, and then yeah. I think we, we, we didn't talk for a couple of years, whatever. Um, and then talked to, you know, about three or four years later after that. And then he's like, you're that same guy with the long hair. Cause I think I'd cut my hair and he didn't even remember. Right. And there's still the same photo of me on his website with this crazy, crazy ass long hair. It was so, it was so <laughs> yeah, funny, yeah, yeah, but he's yeah. been, he's been great. He's helped out so many of our viewers here on the show. Um, we, you know, we, we exchange, you know, uh, clients back and forth all the time. And, you know, I sent people his way, he sends people my way and stuff like that. It's, it's awesome. I really enjoy the relationship and friendship and business relationship we have too. Well, yeah, that's the thing is, you know, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's about friendship and mm. community and, but, <clears throat> you know, but in addition to that, I mean, he's just like a source of like, once you start going down the rabbit hole of trying <laughs> to figure out a how to make a guitar really sound good. Yep. Like, you know, and, you know, so you, you know, you get like the good piece of wood, good neck. Then it's like, what's that other, that elusive 10%, you know what I mean? You know, like, how do you get that other thing? And then you start reading about people like Eddie Van Halen and all the stuff, all the little mods he was doing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's only people like Adam who have really put in the, you know, not even 10, probably like 30,000 hours of researching this stuff and testing materials to find out like, hey, this is, if you're, you know, if you're looking to go down that rabbit hole, this, you need to have a guide because you can make a lot of wrong turns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, so uh, once I, you know, was introduced to him, he kind of cleared up a lot of a lot of stuff for me. He's my tone guru. He is. And you know what I love seeing? I love seeing comments on social media because people that don't know about a product, like, and we're all guilty of this. If we're afraid of something, the first thing is we want to do is shy away from it or sometimes even go to the extreme reaction of attacking it. We don't know anything about it. Like I was that way before I got into computers. I hated computers. So I was like, ooh, shy away from computers, right? Um, and then now that's my livelihood. But with with Futon, you know, I'll see some people comment sometimes. Oh, it's, you're talking snake oil. It doesn't do anything. And then all what I love to see is I watch the people who like, okay, well, let me just try it. And then they try it, and then they almost don't have any words. You just have to watch their face the first time they do a video on YouTube or something after putting in, let's say, a yeah. brass block or something. That's testimonial yeah, yeah. right there. Just that smile and grin. <clears throat> no, it's it's it, that stuff is the real deal. That is that you know that's getting into that 
you know, I mean, if you don't have a good guitar and a good, you know, I mean, you know, you don't have, I mean, that's not going to take a bad guitar and make it sound good. But if you got a, a really good guitar and it's like, like I said, you're, you're there, but you're not quite mm-hmm. over the finish line. And that's the hardest part to get, you know, it's like, you need to have someone who, <laughs> you know, who can be a finisher. And so that's, to me, that's what that stuff is. That's but right. now, you know, he's branching off. I haven't had a chance to try him, but he's branching off into like doing what pickups and stuff as well mm-hmm. now. And so the pickups are great. I bet I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Have you tried them? I've got a set in an SG over here, Junior's SG, and they sound phenomenal. Because you, as you you know me, I'm a high output pickup guy. I like yeah, the high yeah, output. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me they too. Sound for phenomenal. live, for pumpkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should try a set. Yeah, I have to hit them up about that. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, um, you know, because on this tour I went back. To, I, I think we talked a little bit about it, but I talked. You know, I went back for my, um, you know, in the bridge position on those kind of those prototype guitars I was playing. I started using. Um, I just went back to Duncan JBs mm-hmm. because I just wanted something that had that sound from that era. You know what I mean? That would be. Yep. That I know. You know, because there's just so much stuff out there. You know, I mean, you can get lost in like you this can. pickup and that and that. And I'm like, well. I know on those records that I really like, that pickup was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so let's, let me just start there. I can't yeah. tell you how many Kramers I had back in the day, Strikers and Focus and all those guitars. It was always the pickup you put in those guitars, <laughs> Junk, Duncan JBs. Yeah, well, there wasn't, you know, back in the day, there, there really wasn't that many options. I remember going, when I had a humbucker, some type of super strat guitar with the reverse headstock and stuff too. And I remember going to the music store, and he's. And I think he was the custom or the JB. Yep. <laughs> right. That was the Duncan custom or the or the JB. And then you start going to the music stores. Now we got a Duncan custom custom. We got a JB. It's like, oh my god, I got three pickups and then four pickups, and now we got catalogs. Remember the days you'd flip open a catalog? You're like, oh, what do I? I just want a pickup that growls and you know gives me some sustain. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so. and people ask you, you know, I'm sure you get this asked all the time. Fans will ask you, how do I get your tone? How do I get this sound? It's like. You know what? It's right here in the hands to start with, but I think this pickup would maybe suit you from what you're describing, and you just try it and see if you like it. If not, there's other ones to choose from. Yeah, it's funny because people really do. You know, they ask all the time, like in the pumpkins, like, "Oh, what? What are the pedals? You know, what type of fuzz pedals are you guys using live?" And you know, live we don't really use live. It's all pretty much it's like amp distortion. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, maybe like an overdrive into it, but like, you know, and. But a lot of it is just the way that the riffs are constructed. Yep. You know, I mean, that's and even if they're simple to play, they're hard to make it sound right. You know, and that's that really is a big part of of tone. You know, is is has nothing to do with the with like the you know the amp or the pedals. You know, like you know probably one of the biggest EQ things that you can do is the pick. Like what pick you use. Sure. That makes a massive difference, you mm-hmm. know, because it's all about how you strike the angle you strike the string, the thickness of the pick. I mean, that's like really your first EQ pedal is the pick. Very well said, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, you know, that's a big part of it. So I agree with that 100%. Uh, say hi yeah. to a couple more people here, and we'll jump back and have a look at this Christmas gift. Uh, I'm Sucking Wind. <laughs> He's a guitar player. He's here on the channel uh, saying hi. Uh, let me see here. So let's go down a little bit more here. Uh, Solo's Revenge is here as well too. Black DH, I think I mentioned that. Uh, let's see if there's any questions here. I don't see anything at the moment yet. Gary Davlin is here as well too. Good evening. Uh, let's see, it's going on a little bit more. Sinner is here. Metal Stage is here. Uh, hey, I think I recognize this name. Is this? Uh, he likes to hang out with you, and he, I think he likes to say that he's your uh, tech sometimes. Uh, Fopster. <laughs> it's nice to see you, Drew. 
Drew from Fop Street Amplification is here. He says, hello, my friends. Nice to have it. You two guys were so great to us. I have to say, uh, yeah. awesome. Thank you so much for the hospitality <laughs> both of you gave us. Now, Drew's a special human being. I mean, I really, I mean, one of the best experiences I've ever had with working with someone, you know, and I told him from the, you know, from the very first conversation I had with him when I, when, you know, he was recommended to me. And so we talked on the phone and I said, I really view this job as we're a team. I mean, I'm a Ponce, I got to play the tunes, but I need you to be, your set of ears are just as important as mine. So if you hear things and, you know what I mean? And then once you figure, you know, if there's things that you know that, hey, we could do this better or whatever, like I need you to be that person. And he was, I mean, it was, it was great, you know? Yeah, I was very impressed. I mean, first of all, the fact that he wears a suit uh, to a rock <laughs> show, you know what I mean? No, I know, right? That's pretty cool. That says a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. he's, I mean... But gosh, talk about someone he can, I mean, because a lot of times you get guys who can work, you know, they can tune a guitar and, and plug in your stuff. But Drew can build you an amp, build pedals and, um, you know, so. I, I like the way he would tell me when I, in the short conversation I had with him, and he, and he was on the show as well too, but even at the gig there we're talking, you know, every artist he's worked with. He could go from, you know, all solid, all, sorry, not solid, all tube amps and, you know, real, real deal pedals and the, you know, the old way we used to do it. A lot of artists still do it. And then he goes to working with you. we got things with like Helix and all kinds yeah. of switching systems and things like that. And then the next artist, you got this. You never know what you're getting into. And I think I, he's going to probably kill me for not remembering, but I think this was his first experience with Helix when he met you. Was that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. So he had and to learn I, that. And, you know, and he had used, with the other bands like the Deftones and stuff, he was quite familiar with um, the Axe Effects. Yep. You know, so, I mean, I think so he, you know, in theory, he understood like what, what it was going to be. And so it's just a matter of learning kind of the, the architecture of the software. And, you know, and like I said, you know, I mean, his work ethic is, you know, in line with my own. And so I really appreciate it because he would take that, he would take a Helix into his hotel room and, you know, at night, <laughs> learn how to program it. That's crazy. You know, so we could both come in and, and, and do it. So, I mean, really, um, I think more than some guitar players, I'm very, like, I, I learned how to use this stuff myself mm -hmm. as well. And cause I, I sit at home and I, I make presets and programs and, and stuff. So I know how to use it, but really for this, I mean, him and I, we did everything together. That's great. Yeah. yeah I could really, I could text him and be like, Hey, Billy called him wants to do, we want, we're going to add this song to the set so at soundcheck, can you make me a preset with, you know, these, these effects, mm -hmm. you know, this chain and I'd show up to soundcheck, he'd have it there and it would be like, you know, 85, 90% exactly what I wanted. Just a matter of like, you know, once you hear the band playing and you fine tuning, Adjust. You know, yeah, mix levels and tones and stuff. But yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that's, that's invaluable because it's, I mean, you saw how our show, it's like, it's so big, you know, you don't have, a, you don't have hours and hours to sit there and you got to get it done quick and yeah. you got to get it done quick and get it done right. I got to say too, I made a note to talk about the show and it's later on in the program, but since you brought it up, I've never seen a pumpkin show in my life before. And I was never, um, I, I don't want to say I wasn't a fan of the pumpkins, but you know me, I'm, I'm obsessed with Van Halen. I like Joe Satcher. Yeah, I like I these, and I only listen to a few styles of music, sadly, which is a, is a bad thing for me. I'm starting to listen to a lot more now. Um, but seeing the show, 
I mean, people to go see that show, if, even if they're a closet Smashing Pumpkins fan or not even a, considering a fan, maybe they're going to go with their friend that's a fan. They instantly become fans after that show. Like, I have never seen visuals. I've never heard guitar sound so good. And that's one of the questions I was going to talk to you about, too, was how do you play in a three-guitar player band? You know, because Billy's playing a lot of guitar. Yeah. Phenomenal player himself. Um, yeah. And how do you play in the band and not step on each other's toes? It is a big sound, big production. Um I was just so blown away. It's an amazing show. Well, you really have to be an adult about it, right? You know, what I mean, and 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 check your ego out the door, and really think about what's going to make the band sound the best. You right. know, so I think there are situations where all of us would want to play more. Mm-hmm. You know, but you have to think about what it sounds like out there. Um, but I think everybody, <clears throat> you know, I think. The big, the cool thing about it is that is all three of us, you know, James included, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Okay. And so that's what makes it actually great is because, you know, if there's a situation where they just know like, oh, like Jeff's going to shine the most or James is going to shine doing that, then, you know, everybody's really, you know, we want to see each other take those moments and and do it, you know, so um, it really wasn't as hard. As, I, as you would think it was going to be. I mean, we just sat, you know, I think before the tour started, Billy and I sat down <clears throat> having lunch one day and just kind of went through the set, mm-hmm. kind of mapped it out like, okay, like you'll do this, James will do this, you know, I'll do this. And then, you know, then once we went to rehearsal, you, you know, we kind of figured it out. But then, so that was like kind of level one of doing it, just figuring out what part you're going to play. Mm-hmm. And level two would be, um, what's the tones. And then once you're in level two, there's many levels of level two because it's like, well, Billy's playing his reverend, which has this sound. So my guitar sound needs to, you know, be this. And James is playing a Les Paul, which has like that low mid thing. You know what I mean? So you know a lot I mean? of orchestration like, there. Yeah. You have to really think about how it all fits together. And so we would, you know, change guitars and you know with you know thinking about what type of pickups are in that guitar what 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 type of frequencies is it is that pickup going to accentuate so when together it it gets bigger because if if people are fighting the same frequencies when you all go hit the on button it could actually get smaller yeah and that's exactly not what you want you want it to get bigger so yeah we um so we worked really hard on that. And then, you know, obviously another thing is our sound man, mm-hmm. Kevin Lemoyne. I mean, amazing. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, you know, I <clears throat> heard from so many people I respect, you know, like yourself and Adam and other, you know, where they're like, I've never heard it guitar sound so good live, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, we made a lot of smart decisions and, you know, like I think maybe the, I don't know, it was like the second or third day of rehearsal. You know, we were all on in-ears, but we were ha- we had the amps in the room. But then we decided to, you know, move the amps off stage and put them in ISO cabs. So each amp is completely isolated. So you can manage for our front of house mixer. The only sound coming off the stage is the drums. Yeah. So he's really like mixing in a studio yep. for him. So I think that was, that's a big part of it too. 
a couple times during the show in London. I think it was London or Toronto we saw you, uh, London. And London, we, yeah. yeah, we went back to the soundboard a couple different times. And uh, I mean, that's the best spot in the place. It just dead center. And it was just like rich, rich stereo, full guitars. I could hear each yeah. one of you, the sub just kicking you in the gut. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. Junior's just screaming his head off. I'm looking at him and he's like, I don't, we're both like 12 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's amazing too, is he used, he did all analog console. Okay. You know, not that he didn't use a digital console. So I think that's another Wow. element to like you know to having it sound pleasing to the ear of of no digital conversion so i think that's that that's probably has a lot to do with it as well good to know especially especially when you i mean let's just be honest i mean when you're listening to loud guitars that long mm-hmm. that kind of that the way that an analog signal is going to kind of round off some of those frequencies is what you're going to want you know when you're playing you know we were playing a, a little over three hours so. that was a long show yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah, that yeah. bought tickets for that really got their money's worth. That's for sure. Yeah, that was <laughs> amazing. Sure. And I remember, I remember saying this to you, and I felt so. I've never done this in my life. I had to leave uh, a, a last second, last song because we had a long, fairly long drive. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a long day for us. And Junior's like, usually it's Junior saying, "Dad, can we get going home?" And I'm, I'm the old man. And I was going to be falling asleep, so I was like, "We have to go." Um, and I, I killed myself basically having to leave, but it was, but I had to do it. But when you guys uh, broke out and did stairway to heaven, um, and the lead, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh, it's just absolutely amazing. Like that, I talked on, on Facebook for probably a week after that, that, and people are like, you know, you don't do stairway to heaven. Don't cover that. Or like, well, trust me. And, and some people were judging some of the videos they saw online and, you know, someone shooting a video with a cell phone doesn't do it justice. You got to go see you guys live. Yeah. And that's yeah. Yeah. Amazing, man. You ripped that solo. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was, you know, it was funny when that was on the set list. Um, you know, I thought like, okay, are we going to do some like weird deconstructed version of it? And that um, it was like, no, I think we should pretty much do it true to form. And I mean, people can, I mean, obviously people are entitled to their opinion and I get it. Cause oh, yeah. I, you know, my initial reaction would be like, what the, like you want to do this song? But I have to say like, you know, it was kind of midpoint in the set. It's a long set, and you know, it went. It was a highlight every single night. And so, hey, I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to try and figure it out. Other than we played it every night, and it went over extremely well every night because it was just kind of fun. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was just fun. It was, it was an emotional song for the sole fact that number one, it shouldn't work the way it did. Um, you know, that's exactly, a, it's a mojo yeah. song, you know, uh, so it shouldn't have worked the way it did. Number two, you guys were sonically killing it. And then there was, it was just like, you're kind of blown away that you're doing it. And then sometimes you're feeling it. It's like, it almost brings a tear to the eye, which that is really moving, you know, not that it's a sad song necessarily, or maybe it is. Um, but the fact that how the emotion that was brought through that song. So yeah, definitely. And you guys got a tour coming up. We'll talk about it in a little bit here too, starting in next. Yeah, but not to get too intellectual about it too, but if you kind of watch the visuals and the story that was being told was, was really about a story about the band, the story about Billy as a child Mm -hmm. and having this dream of wanting to start a band and then starting the band. And so that song kind of epitomizes the childhood fantasy of like, if I, I mean, if you could be in an arena playing Stairway to Heaven, that's like is kind of rock and roll fantasy as it gets. Yeah. I think that was kind of the sort of the, the playfulness of it, too, that we were trying to, you know, like I said, but, you know, that's 
that's all esoteric stuff. <laughs> well, it was a success, at whatever it was. The, at, the, at the end of the day, it it works as a good rock song. I think so. You know, people just like, yeah, so then that's that's all that matters. That's right. Don't question what works. Uh, here's two questions over in the chat from Blackie DH. He asks, and this is a good one because this is something we're going to talk about today anyways. He's asking what guitars and amps are you using on the tour? So he kind of go maybe a breakdown of some of the guitars and amps and things. Yeah, yeah. Um, well... <clears throat> Let me see. The guitars are, I mean, I play 95% um, Yamaha, and which is, I think, a lot of people are not familiar um, with a lot of Yamaha's newer guitars. So, um, you know, a few years ago they came out with the Revstar line, which is kind of a 24 and three-quarter scale style guitar. Um, kind of, you know, that's somewhat harkens back to their their or what the their SGs that were made in the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. um, but you know, kind of a slightly different body style. Um, all different types of pickup configurations, but the ones I use are mostly humbucker, um, you know, two humbuckers, and um, so I use those. But the guitar I use for the most was a kind of a prototype guitar that they're coming out with. Um, hope maybe next year, or might even be the next. The year after that but they were kind enough to be like hey we have this new guitar design would you mind and we made you a few of these taking them out on the road and um kind of road test work. yeah yeah see if they hold up and so um it was great so they built me four of them totally to my spec so that's they were kind of you know those are probably i think you know the 25 and a half inch scale guitars um with um the ones that i played the most had the two-point tremolo system, not uh, locking tuners, and a uh, humbucker in the bridge, and a single, co- uh, a single coil in the neck, but I use like a Duncan Hot Rails or a DiMarzio um, kind of single coil stack pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and man, they sounded phenomenal. Ash body, all their bodies, all their bodies. Um, the typical super strat type of guitar. Mm-hmm. All their bodies, um, two with maple necks. I all had maple necks, two with maple fretboards and um, two with Powell Faro um, fretboards. Um, stainless steel frets, which those are great too. I mean, mm-hmm. I first became actually, first guitar I ever had with stainless steel frets was my EVH Wolfgang. And they're addicting. Yeah, they are. You know, even though Drew, and he can maybe, if he's still watching, but he probably fell asleep. But uh, <laughs> he, can, he, th- he said that, and I never really know because, you know, I never really noticed this because I, you know I'm not the one changing the strings. And he said that actually strings die much quicker with stainless steel frets. I don't know if, if you've had that experience as well, but well, I'm using the the uh, NYXLs from Dario, so they tend to last a little longer than a normal string, anyways. But I do agree with that because it's 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 almost like well, such a hard metal, right? It's abusing those strings, and the more you abuse those strings, those frets are fighting back, and I could see that for sure. Yeah, but they feel so good. Like they're so smooth, right? Like it just it's it's nice. You know what I mean? It's really nice. Yeah. For sure. So and then um amps. Um amps on this tour I went back to using I have um the old Randall RM modular series, mm-hmm. pre amps, and the power amps that went with it, but They've both been modded by Anthony at Salvation Mods in the Czech Republic. And so all the preamp modules that I use are custom built by him. Um, or they're, you know, there were modded ones, that Randall ones, but 
pretty radically different from anything that they made. I mean, he kind of used their guts and then um, does his thing. And so the four preamps that I used were kind of two boxy for cleans and then two Marshall-based ones for distortion. One called the Mashall and then the the Randy Rhodes, Randy Rhodes style one for like my high gain. <laughs> and then all the effects, switching, channel switching, MIDI commands, everything was um, done with Helix, the rack version. And I used the Helix uh, 4 controller. And yeah, um, still use a regular wah. I just like plugging in. So I use the Joe Bonamassa Dunlop, which nice. is still my, I think it's one of the best sounding wahs ever made. I mean, it's it's great. Um, and I use a JHS buffer on the on the on the board as well so perfect so, yeah it's a n- nice rig rundown for sure and i'll let um uh i was at blackie that was asking if you look at the video on the channel here as well blackie we did a bit of a rig rundown with jeff uh in london and you go through everything you just mentioned there as well too and there's some close-ups and you and drew were both taking us uh, through it so it's a really in-depth look right on the stage and everything so that's pretty cool watch look for that video on the channel um, Gary Holt has a question for you. This is kind of a cool question. Gary Holt is a close personal friend and he works uh, closely with Gary Kramer from Gary Kramer of Kramer, right? Oh, cool. Yeah. And he says, does he play a Kramer? And you and I have shared some fun stories off the air about Kramer. Now, I don't know if you have any right now. I know you're searching for one, but I'm sure you had some as a kid growing up and what were your thoughts on, uh, and maybe you have some Kramers now. Tell us about that. No, I don't have any. And I, you know, I've never owned one. I've never owned one, okay. I, but I recently, as we were talking about, I was trying to get one because um, you have the vintage series, right? And I wanted the, a white one of the yes. vintage, but I can't find, I haven't been able to get one that I can try. Because I, I mean, I've found a few online, but I'm, I, I, I kind of don't, you know, at this point, I try not to buy stuff online that I can't try. Oh, I know, it's smart. Because I just I I've just gotten guitars I wasn't happy with, and then you know I mean, but um, I do I, I do pine for a white Kramer Pacer because uh, as we were talking about, I'm a big Joe Satriani fan, and so that was kind of one of his his main guitar on the yeah. first Not of This Earth and Surfing with the Alien before he actually started playing Ibanez. So um, yeah, definitely. Um, a fan of that sound and would love to have. So I'll find one eventually. Yep. I will well, find one. It'll, that one, it, one will come into my, my world. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I think ideally I, I, I probably would like, you know, a vintage one, you know, a vintage one, meaning an eighties one, but I don't know. I mean, you said the new ones are really great. They might actually, you know what I mean? So if, if I find a new, the reissue of a, a vint, the whatever the vintage series reissues out there, I'll probably pick it up. Well, the cool thing is not to let the cat out of the bag, and I'm not really going to spoil anything yet because I don't even know the full details. But there's a, a whole bunch of new, um, there's a whole bunch of new Kramers coming at NAM, a whole bunch. So, okay, awesome. Okay. Yeah, so that's gonna be something to uh, to wait and see. I, I there's. I, well, I'll be there, so I'll you go are gonna check. go. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be there. So good. I'm, that, I'm very happy to hear that because that's a question I was going to ask you as well too. So there's something I don't have to ask you. I'll text you when we're there. I've got your cell, so I'll text you and let you know when we're there. Yeah. We'll try to hook up and you know uh, go catch a couple exhibits together. Are you going to be doing any uh, playing or anything at any, any appearances? I think I might be doing a signing at Ernie Ball. Oh, cool. Okay. Going back forth. Yeah, I'm talking to them about and maybe doing um, something with Helix. 
but that hasn't been so yeah okay so probably they probably put me to work good you know, which is which i'm happy to do. oh for sure because sometimes it's a little bit better than walking that floor because you realize at the end of the day you've walked 25 miles you know yeah i'm gonna go for sure on thursday and friday i'll probably skip out by the weekend you know what i mean um Perfect. but i definitely want to go on there and because there's actually there actually is a lot of stuff i just want to see and yeah check out. as a, as a fan of gear bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then obviously the new Kramers being one of them, that's pretty exciting. I I love that. Yeah, the Pacers, though, that's my, that's my. There you go. We'll keep our fingers crossed for you. So, yeah, I'll text you for sure. We we arrive on Wednesday and we're there through the weekend. We may be extending our visit as well, too. Um, But a couple of people are talking over in the chat. They want to see some Yamahas. If you have, do you have any of your Yamahas handy? And if if you do or you don't, show us first. Okay, before you do that. Give me, give me a second. Do that and show us your Christmas gift, too. All right, guys, so he'll be right back. I'll go continue through the chat here for a quick second as well, too. Uh, Rick Hefner's here. Hey, guys, nice to meet you. David Morgan. Um, I know I'm probably getting some webcam buffering here, and I apologize on that on my end. Okay, he's back. We'll jump okay. over. Yeah, this is... Um, oh, yeah, this I remember that baby. RS- well, this is actually a newer one. They is just it? sent me They sent me this, it, but it is similar to one I had okay. out there. And this is the RSP20CR which is the made in Japan. Okay. Like this is kind of like the flagship top of the line version. And it's got, um, usually I, I, sometimes I will switch out the pickups, not because these pickups aren't good, but just because for what I do, mm-hmm. I want something with a little more juice. Right. You know, and these are kind of very PAF vintage, very warm. Um, so they, they do sound great, but, not for what I needed to. I needed to be more heavy metal. Certainly, <laughs> so, it's a beautiful guitar. Um, and the one on the one I use on tour, I have those. Um, uh, um, Joe Naylor makes the Reverend makes a rail hammer series okay. pickups, which have like kind of the rails here and then the pole on the side. And man, they sound great because Joe is he's got great ears, and you know he um, his own personal style of music that he plays is kind of he plays a lot of detuned heavy stuff. Okay, so they have a. So they 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 deal really well with low frequencies, but they're clear and punchy without being. So they kind of give you that clarity of an active pickup, but okay. without the kind of weirdness that sometimes if you that an active pickup can kind of give you if you're not really used to it. You know what I mean? So, um, but man, this guitar. So it's. I wish, I can't say enough. Like. And I was actually talking to the guys at Yamaha today on the phone because I'm working on a project with them that I'm going to be doing in the early part of the year. And you know, we were talking about this guitar. The craftsmanship on this thing is amazing. I mean, it is like, like it's impeccable. It's really good. I mean, I was, you know, um, you know, I, I when they first started coming out this line, Scott Marceau at Yamaha. You know, he brought a few to Chicago, mm-hmm. and so I got to play some of the prototypes. And you know, from where those prototypes have gone to like now, like to like when when this gets because you know it's now they've been making them for a few years. You know, they you know it takes a few years to really dial it in. Yeah, iron and, all the kinks out. And, and this one, I pulled it out of the case. I was like, wow. I'm like I'm not I'm like I'm not sending it back. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this one on the road. Take this one out on the road too. Yeah, so that's great. There's this one, and I got another one right here too. Right on. Um, which is this? This is the what the seven 
the 720B because it has a Bigsby on it. And oh, I'm not cool. usually a huge fan of Bigsby's, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but on this guitar, like this particular, like I have a, a I had it actually is Drew's guitar. Mm-hmm. He has had one of these. And so the blue one that I was playing on the tour was his. Right. And, Cause he was like, why don't you just check it out? Cause I'm, I was using like, I don't want a big span. I want a Floyd. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't deal with this, you know, but on this guitar and so it sounds really great. Um, so this one is, is great too. Um, and this one has been, I, I put in Lawler Imperials in this and it's, I mean, it's a great sounding guitar. I mean, it's, it plays great. sounds great. I love so. the inlays on the neck too. Yeah. It's just, it's classic. You it know? is. I mean, it, it's you know, and it's, yeah, and they have like this kind of matte um, finish. And so it really, like, you don't I have mean, to polish it near as much. No, you don't. And it, it looks more worn out. It does. Than, <laughs> without looking relic. That's right. You know I mean? Yeah. It has like a little bit of like a, a worn jean kind of feel, yeah. but without looking like, without all the artificial scratches and stuff it's cool i agree with you on that no the guitars have really grown on me over the years you know they're and like i said the quality keeps on improving you know i think they're they're dialing it in more and more they are for sure i'm going to do something here don't be alarmed for a second i'm going to shut off my webcam to you so you won't see me you're still going to hear me i'm getting some reports that my webcam is lagging you're fine for everybody but what they're seeing from me is uh is a little bit um uh, slow. So I'm going to turn that off. I'm still here, so I'm not gone. So while you can, I think the audience can still see me. Yeah, we're good. Um, grab that uh, Christmas gift that you got uh, and have a look at that yeah, one. Yeah. I, I, I got a Christmas gift to myself. I there was, you go. You know, um, so, and it's, I, I really don't, really not worthy of owning this guitar, but, <laughs> but <laughs> as of what they, so I always wanted one and kind of at the end of the tour, um, ended up talking to some of the guys over at Fender and they gave me a deal I couldn't refuse. <laughs> and so I got a Ingve Malmsteen Fender Stratocaster. Stellar. And um man, it's it what a cool guitar. I always just wanted to um see what it was like to to you know to be behind the wheel of a car like this, you know? <laughs> and, um, I love it. Is it is definitely the scalloping takes a little bit of getting used to but man the guitar sounds great and one of the things i'm most really impressed by are these duncan ygm pickups mm-hmm. sound phenomenal like because they're they're totally hum canceling so they're dead quiet um and they do have a stratty sound but they're but it's big still too it's it really has the best of both worlds like it doesn't sound like a humbucker but it's bigger than a regular strap pickup. Sure. And they're quiet. I, I mean, because I've tried some stacked single coils in the past, and mm-hmm. I hated them. Yep. And so I was really skeptical. But um, a friend of mine was like, no, those pickups are great. And I have to say, they're, they're, they're phenomenal. What's, um, it's funny that you mentioned about the scalloping, too, because the only guitar I've ever owned in my life that had scallop frets was uh, the Gem, a seven, Gem 77 flower pattern one. And it, yeah, yeah, but it only yeah, had yeah. A, at the top frets, top three frets or whatever it was, top four frets, I don't know. But I've heard, yeah. I've heard that's, a lot of guys. That's, that's another dream guitar, too, to be honest. I had one of those. And you know what? <laughs> I look in music stores. I see them sometimes. I had one from the original era as soon as they were released. And I bought it from a, a guitar shop in Windsor, Ontario. And I mean, it took everything in my power. And I probably traded everything I owned to get this guitar. 
and this guitar store didn't uh, climate control their store in Canada. So yeah, so imagine winters in Canada and you know, they have the heat on during the day and they go home at night, they they keep the temperature warm enough just so it doesn't freeze the pipes. And then next morning they come in and they crank the heat again. So this guitar was going to all these guitars are going through extreme uh, rigor of weather. And so I bought this guitar and they gave me a pretty good deal on it. I'm wondering why too good of a deal. And about a week after owning it, you could almost take a guitar pick and put it between the, the neck and the fingerboard. It was separating that much. And so I traded it off. And I thought, but I wish I could have still got it, maybe taken it to a good luthier and, and had him, you know, him or her repair it and, you know, restore it. But long story short, I've heard so many people say that once they've tried scallop, like they just, they wondered how they played their entire life without it. I could see that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and definitely it's, as a fan, I'm a big fan of Richie Blackmore as yeah. well and Uli John Roth. And, you know, they have all used, scallop fretboards as well it definitely has a thing you know i mean so even when even if you're not playing i mean i i I don't think it makes a difference in the sound and when you're it probably does but i'm not who am i to say right but but about the sound when you're playing fast but it definitely it's where it's really apparent is when you're actually playing slow and bendy and melodic lines it's like you can really the vibrato and stuff that you can get and the articulation of the note is really um really different and it's cool that's where so i'm slowly working on it it's like i'm i'm easing myself into it like you know i have other things to practice so i don't want to it's like one of those things like you just at first you kind of just want to just dive in completely mm-hmm. i'm sure you're not gonna do too many of your jazz chords on that one though no no well that's the thing is playing chords you have to you have to you have to really work on your touch yeah because go sharp flat yeah, you can't press hard. Um, so you, but you have to press hard enough to get articulation. So intonation is, is something you got to work on. And um, and I, I had it because you know, um, I had it set up. I took it to my guy here in Chicago, and I had it set up for tens at E flat. Ingve yep. uses his custom set, which is like eights on top with tens on the bottom. Okay. You know, but I was like, I can't put an eight. That's no. just, that's, that's because on my jazz guitars, I use 13. So like, Oh boy. Yeah. 13 to, it's just too much. You know what I mean? So 10 is kind of like the lowest I can go, but it's like, I can still barely feel them. <laughs> yeah. You go to yeah. eight, you're going to feel like dental floss. Yeah. It's cool though. It's, it's, a, I have to say it's a, it's a great guitar. So I'm just as a, that's just a, even if as a fan, I'm just happy to have it. That's cool. Know? That's a nice guitar. And you know what else I got mm-hmm. along with it, <laughs> because I had to, because because when you go, you know, I mean, like I said, if you're going to go on the trip, right? And you know it because you do the same thing. You wanna you wanna you wanna get the experience of like what playing that guitar and that rig would sound like, mm-hmm. right? So I did also get. The, uh, oh, right on. Head, Very the cool. Head, the Ingve Maltin Overdrive, which is basically, a, I did a lot of um, reading online about this. You know, it's a copy of the DOD thing that he used to use. It's, okay. I think it's voiced slightly different and I think has a little bit more gain than like the vintage ones, but it's essentially the same. And so you really do. So, so you know, that guitar this pedal and then I use helix into like just you know a plexi style head and you know (laughs) do you run your guitar to to the uh overdrive Ingve overdrive and then uh, directly to the input of helix or do you put that through a loop in helix 
I was because I was so far I haven't put it in a loop just because I just wanted to go straight into this yeah you know gotcha. and see what it was like just 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 to see what it was like first but I know he live I was I was watching some Rick Rinder, him he uses some type of um, looping you know or pedal switching system you know, switching system as well too yeah. and then he uses the boss one actually okay uh, yeah 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 but yeah it's funny you get this and then you put like because it, it gets you know because this, you know, and I, if you use his settings, which is everything on 10, yeah. there's more, <laughs> you know, you have to use, uh, you know, then you, I put you, you, right after it, I just put in a, a noise suppressor on Helix and yeah. And cause the, you know, there's, there's a guy online, um, who's got a pretty cool YouTube channel where he, he's kind of an Ingve fanatic. And so he kind of showed, demonstrates a lot of sounds and, you know, the way Ingve's amps seem to be set are are fairly clean. Okay. I wouldn't say it's like super clean, but it's not high gain distortion at all. Most of the distortion seems to come from the pedal. From the pedal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very cool. It's really funny too. Sometimes people hear me say when I mentioned a moment ago about uh, putting it in the loop. Sometimes I say that people go, "Eric, you don't put a distortion pedal in the loop, or you don't put this in the loop." And some people don't know how Helix works. When I say loop, it's basically it's in a switching system, you know. And you can yeah, put that yeah. that block. Yeah, yeah, it scares yeah, yeah. people, right? Because I get people all the time, Eric. Where should I put my flanger? Where should I put this? Like in the real world. And the cool thing is with Helix and things like that too. You you can put it wherever you want, and as far as in the back, and you just sort of assign a block where you want that pedal to be in front of the amp, behind the amp, or wherever. Yeah, having that type of flexibility and signal routing, and you know, like digital, that would see that would be something that would be hard to go back. I know without. You know, to go, yeah, to go like you know like like I'm in a fortunate situation to where. I have a roadie, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, a great guitar tech, and I can use tube amps, cabinets, that whole deal, you know. Um, so I could, I could see how, you know, there's a definite great argument to be made, you know, to still using real amps mm -hmm. if you can. But for effects, you know, like having the the signal routing like flexibility of digital is is pretty amazing. I mean, and the sonic quality is 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 really good. It is it's really good. I mean, I've sometimes, I mean, even a bit live. Like I don't even use any. I, I mean, I think I had one or I have one or two drive pedals in my pedal drawer, mm -hmm. but I use a lot of stuff in Helix too. You, you use like I mean? the Minotaur, or what do you use a lot? Minotaur, you know, I was using it, but then I, you know, I, I, towards the last half of the tour, Drew and I, we started, I started going back to the eight oh, the TS eight oh eight. Okay, yeah, yeah. It just, I don't know, man. It, it just, it, it just, it was more the sound. It was just, it just more sounded like I was, I was used to or something like yeah. or the sound I wanted. It just a little bit gainier, a little bit thicker. I kind of just, yeah. I started gravitating more towards like the old tube screamer. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know a trick I learned? This is really, really cool. I never play with fuzz pedals. Um, I think I've had a couple of Jimi Hendrix fuzz, fuzz pedals over the years, but I'm not a fuzz guy. I like either straight up distortion or overdrive. Never been into fuzz. Could never get good tone out of it. Just it wasn't for me. But um, Chris Robinson from Blackstone Cherry has been on the show a couple of times. And he's a Helix guy, as you know. And um, he his secret that he says, and he's that's his signature sound is that fuzz, you know, his lead tone. And he plays in the neck position pickup, and he rolls the tone completely off. 
And, Crazy. and it, you got to try it. I was so blown away. He says, just try it. I'm like, but I, I suck as it is uh, in, uh, with, with full on treble, you know, but he goes, try it. Neck pickup, tone all the way off. So sometime when you're just jamming around the house with a fuzz or you're in Helix or whatever, even if it's a real pedal, do that and see what it sounds like on your guitar. You're probably going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, well, I'll try it. No, I'll try anything. And uh, yeah, another cool, I did get a couple other things mm-hmm. uh, that fine people at JHS actually sent me this because um, as just a gift, because um, I got some some of their people on the guest list of the last Chicago show. They sent me, this is a very cool thing, the color box. Have you seen this? You I know, have it's, not. It's basically, it's like a Neve channel strip. Okay. Pedal. This is cool. Um, so you can use it, you know, like I've tried it or just plugging like before going into my, my interface, mm-hmm. you know, running like Helix into this, or you can use this, like you can get kind of real Beatlesy type of overdrive type of sounds. So kind of a preamp slow, but, or, huh? Is it kind of a preamp? It is. It yeah. is. It's okay. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can use it. It's like a. It's like a mic pre, basically, gotcha. is what it would it be. So it's like a channel of the mixing board. Okay. It's, it's literally just a channel of like a Neve mixing board put in a pedal, is, I think, is their concept. So Gotcha. I, it, it's cool. And if you actually look, that's what it has a picture of that. Oh, I see that, it now. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. see a friend in the... And it has XLR and quarter inch oh perfect so you can actually use it as a mic pre if you want for recording but you can get like that beatles revolution type of distort because that's what you know they just plug straight sure, into the board sure. to get that sound and i have to say just because and, and drew boppy being the sweet man that he is he said right before he said i know you're going on you know evh gear tv tonight but <laughs> go outside and check you should have a, a package from amazon just arrived for you oh yeah and he sent me this for Christmas. Oh, you got the EL34 micro stack. <laughs> Love you it. Know what? It's awesome. I, as soon as it, I, I ripped it open and I plugged it in, it's, it's super cool. You know what's it, cool about that? I don't have that one. I have I have two of the white. Well, I have a white one and Junior has a white one. And, and so Junior's got one upstairs, a fresh battery in it. And he's like, he, um, he says to me, he goes, Dad, can I borrow your micro stack? And I'm like, well, you got one upstairs. Why don't you use yours? He goes, your battery's dying and it sounds better. My battery's on its last leg and it's fuzz completely right out because it's, you know, it's going to die in a, in a millisecond, right? So he's out there with a Variax plugged into, not right now, but this is another day. He's got a Variax plugged into that, cranked up, and it's just farting out the sound. And he's just like, it's like totally Kurt Cobain or something out there. I don't know what, how to describe it, but because it was almost like it was Variacing because it was on this last volt of power. Amazing. And just, what's it say? What is it? One watt? Yep. Yep. <laughs> one one is amazing. Uh, yeah, so that was fun. That was that that put a big smile on my face. That's really cool. They look nice. they look nice for decoration. I, I got my camera turned off right now. You can't see them, but the audience can see them. I've got yeah. both ours up there as well too. I want to get the EL thirty four just for decoration as well too. It's it's cool. And you know, and then another thing I picked up at and I got it for dirt cheap, um, for my I my local guy, Jeff Benj here in Chicago, who is a like Adam, is one of those guys who just knows everything about he's been everything about guitars and amps and stuff i mean he's he's a wealth of knowledge um and i don't know if he would approve of this pedal i think that's why he sold it to me for so cheap but and i've had a few of these but this is one from like kind of the mid 80s you know uh just a classic oh they're BF great one, which i've i've gotten you know gotten into them and i have like the keely modded one mm-hmm. and i have like, like a just like a newer one but 
you know, being the Satriani nut that I am, um, again, that's something that I kind of like, okay, I want to explore that space a little bit, you know, and I mean, it's amazing that he used that for so long. I know. There's, there's two distortion pedals that I've had over the years. I've had uh, probably two or three versions of one and probably 10 versions of that DS1, but I had uh, multiple copies of the uh, MXR Distortion Plus because, you know, I was trying to discover Randy Rhodes. Of you know, course. I was going with course. that one. Yeah. Loved it. And I was running that into a Marshall JCM 900 uh, high gain dual reverb, and it sounded great. And then the DS1s, I've had so many versions of those. But I saw one of my friends here in the chat. I'm really glad he's here tonight, Sean Pierce Johnson. He does a lot of... Um, pedal reviews a lot and he actually knows re- exactly about that color box so when you were showing that one a moment ago oh, he yeah, actually yeah, loves yeah, it yeah 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 and uh, Adam Reaver says he runs the pod micro bean into the 5150 micro <laughs> oh my god that's amazing yeah <laughs> that's amazing that would sound cool and I, I can imagine what yeah. it would sound like because I've done something similar before I started discovering um, all the stuff with Line 6, I used to do a lot of stuff, and I still love them uh, with uh, Positive Grid and Bias and Jam. We started with Jam Up and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I did a review way back on the channel, and I look back at it now, and it's cringy. It's one of those ones you almost want to delete, but it's like, hey, it's gotten some views. Uh, I mean, I look like a—I uh, won't even say what I look like, but it's, it's an embarrassing video. But I'm doing a review on the microstack, right? And I literally, I have like an SM57 mic on the cabinet, miking it, <laughs> and I'm doing it for real. And then I run my iPad using, I think it was Bias Jam Up Pro or one of the one of their newer apps into the front of it. And it was, and people are like, that doesn't act. I mean, it didn't sound horrible. It sounded like, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, this is like not a bad, like, you know, keep it in the suitcase kind of yeah. thing. Because sometimes, you know, usually I take one of those Yamaha, on, on the road, I, I have one of those Yamaha THR. Oh, those are beautiful. Packets. They're great. And you know, but, but then again, you know, it's, it's, it's a little too, it's too big to fit in the suitcase. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, um, so if, when we're on the bus and stuff, it's fine. You know, I just, I take it in with me, but like flying around, I think I might take this little EVA thing just to have, you know, just cause it's still better than playing unplugged. Yep. It is for sure. And you know who the poster boy is for that amplifier. I'm not sure if you've watched any of his videos on YouTube, Cameron Cooper. Um, he's been on the show before. He's a big Eddie Van Halen nut too, and he, I mean, he makes he can get every tone era, uh, every every tone era of Van Halen out of that amplifier, especially the balance. How, How does I don't, he do it? I don't. Well, it's the fingers too, it? right? Yeah, it's the fingers for the most part. But he can really. I think you can probably maybe the weaker era might be the vintage Van Halen, but he can still do it. But when it comes to the balance and the detuning effects and all that kind of stuff, man, you got to check him out. Okay, I'll check it out. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's a young kid, and it just drives you crazy when you see these young kids that have not only the talent, because there's some out there that can shred, but they don't have the soul, and some have soul yeah. and blah, blah, blah. He's got the whole package. He's really, really good. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's about it for, like, you know, uh, new gear that I've that's that's come into my... <laughs> that's cool. No, that's a good collection. And it's so funny. JJ's House of Jams over here. He's a big, um, he's a big Helix user. He's been using it for years and he's like, hasn't even used tube amps anymore. And sad thing was, is with me, the only time I was really enjoying my tube amps when I was doing Helix stuff is uh, I was running it like a wet, dry, wet kind of system. So Helix left and right with power cabs or going directly yeah, to my yeah. mixer was nice and then dry 5150 up the center. But now I'm just getting, I don't want to say I'm getting lazy. But I'm liking the tones I'm getting out of the process, out of the modeling. And I, I pretty much have the stuff back here for decoration now. It's no disrespect to any guitar products, you know, brands or anything like that. It's just I can turn on a digital product. I, it's going to be the exactly the same every day. The only thing that changes is me as opposed to, well, the amp's not working right with the room today 
or, you know, hypothetical things like that. But I, I love the modeling world today. And I mean, no, not, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a different, it's a different, um, it gives you a different type of relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? And to me, when it was all pedals and, and you know, I started getting almost anxiety because there's just so much stuff out there and you're like, Oh, do I need to get, you know, and end up with, you know, cases of pedals that I never use, you know? So now at least with, with something like Helix or HX effects or mm-hmm. HX stomp is, and you know, I just actually got an HX stomp. They're and, great. Oh my gosh. That thing is Wow. Talk about amazing. You know? I know you um, can't see it, but I've got one here to show the audience right here. I know the, the audience yeah. can't, or you can't see it, but yeah, they're absolutely fantastic. And Adam. Yeah, it's, and, you know, they put, they just put the DS1 in, you know, one, one of the more recent updates, right? They got the DS1 and then uh, the the modded one, the Keeley modded DS1 in there. And they sound great. They do. And uh, Adam Reaver here, our, our pal, um, he's now distributing Headrush. Which yes, is cool. Yes, They're great yes, stuff no, as well and, too. And I see those clips that he posts with Tracy Guns, and it just sounds epic. I'm like, holy smokes! Yep. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is it it's it's reached a point to where that you know people are, can use these things live, and they they sound great, and you don't have to haul the big stuff around anymore. That's it's a thing. Cool. There's probably yeah, there's not yeah. the budget there anymore for for a tour support and things like this like there used to be you know show up with a backline I mean it was sure Ingve is still doing it but I mean Ingve uh, is not going to be playing um, you know a modeler per se too much for the most part he still needs those mar- Marshall cabs whether they're real or fake or whatever uh, you know <laughs> got to be fake I mean I know like, I used to use I used to use two half stacks okay you know and it was like. You know, and I and and my tech at the time, who's you know uh, my buddy Mike Orr, who's great, you know, with his he put you know with post phase mass post phase inverter master volumes in them. So we tried to bring the volumes down as low as possible, but it was still like teeth shattering loud. So I and that was just two heads, two, two cabinets. I can't imagine if you had whatever he's got, like how many oh. of those cabs on stage I know, he's probably like 12, i would 14. say i bet he's probably running two or three at the most yeah yeah i um, i saw this cabs pretty close up i saw them uh with jason sides my buddy here in carlos santon we went and saw them in kitchener ontario so just half kind of halfway between where you played in london and toronto so halfway in between there yeah, uh sure. we saw them up there and uh he had i think 12 cabinets at least 12 cabinets and you could see which ones were mic'd you know kind of i think it was probably one or two um, off to the bottom right hand cab corner, and that was about it. The rest were for show, but uh, but still <laughs> pretty it cool. cool it does look cool. <laughs> you know, so we, you know, Billy and I actually went to the first generation axe tour. Okay, and we were at an off night on tour, and we went, and um, man, it was cool. It was cool, and you know, um, and I'm a Steve Vai nut. You know, I, I love. I love all those guys. I mean, I, you know what I mean? But, you know, I'm, I'm a Steve I nut too. But, and that particular night, Ingve played phenomenal. Like he just, I think he, I think he blew the, I mean, those guys were like, holy smokes, you're killing it tonight. You know what I mean? He was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Reaver saying in the chat, he's saying the Ingve stuff is real. So apparently they're all real calves. So I know that they're real calves. <laughs> <laughs> I want he probably I mean if he has a mod God bless him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
or it could just be they could be fake and maybe the weight that you're thinking that is real it could just be the rolexes that are inside maybe <laughs> yeah it's where he hides his rolex <laughs> it could be you never yeah. know no yeah, no just is. totally kidding of course yeah, um right. sean pierce johnson says you can make anything sound awesome with the right mic technique and a little work for sure i agree with that uh dustin webster says hey jeff did you make some of the guitars you've been rocking lately warm author or anything of the nature um, I have in the past, I did do when I did go through a phase where I was, um, I wasn't putting them together, but my guy, Jeff Bench in Chicago, we'd, we'd buy parts. Um, and, and cause, and, you know, because I wanted to kind of do the Eddie thing and start exploring that, um, that space tonally for a while. So I did. Yeah. And tried all different types of pickups and, different things and learned i mean it's it's a really great experience to because i think you get um you build a different relationship with it and so i would buy the bodies painted but we would always get the necks untreated Mm -hmm. and then kind of shape them and then use like tongue oil or something um you know and i did that's all i did and yeah they're they're actually great sounding guitars um but um, I just, it's the, the reason I don't, I stopped using them is everyone ended up being like kind of so different. Yeah. You need a kind I, of consistency. Yeah. I, it, it, um, if I could play, I would think about that. Like in the ideal world, if I was in a band where I could play just one guitar all night, I'd really think about just doing something like that. But having to switch every night and stuff. Yeah you know, for every couple songs. It's, it's too much it, of a jump. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that um, that Yamaha Pacifica. The audience can just see the body behind me a tiny bit, but I showed you that guitar, how I kind of refell in love with that one. It's an old school, 1991, 921, and it was the guitar that was to supersede the gem before uh, Rich Lasner... Um, uh, he left uh, Ibanez to go work for Yamaha and it's got a warm moth neck on it and I know what you're saying there about differences in guitars because like I play my Wolfgangs all day which I love to death where I can actually strangle the neck like a broomstick and then I play this Pacifica which I love to death too but it's f- it's f- really wide really thin you know like a wafer you know and it's such yeah, a big jump yeah. but when you play oh, so, you're just like, so on that so they made it so did he, he made it like one of a similar to like more of like an Ibanez neck. Then. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Like I think it was supposed to be, well, I did read that it was supposed to be the, the, the superseder of what's, what's what I'm looking for, uh, the successor of the gem. And then he left and he took the kind of that cutaway, well, slightly different cutaway, but that, uh, I don't, I don't even know what the, the full term of it is, but an easy access neck and yeah, you can yeah, reach yeah, a 20 second sure. fret without, it's almost like if picture when you're playing SG, you know how you can hit that 20 second fret and you're still three inches away from the body of the guitar. I that, know, it's nice, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's like on the Pacifica, and jumbo frets on that as well, too. So when I got that baby back out and gave it some TLC, that's a hard guitar to put down. Yeah, I've seen you play, and it sounds great, too. Yeah, so that's that's so that's so an interesting era, then. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So did, did he kind of do the whole, so did, even, like, so that basically, that Pacifica design was based off of his initial concepts. Then. I think so, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's cool. That's and cool. The only thing I don't like about it, and I, w- I wanted to upgrade this with some stuff from Adam, and it's uh, Adam would get a kick out of this. I don't think he's even seen the bridge. It's a very, um, it's a very unorthodox bridge. It's a, a licensed Floyd. It's called the RM Pro Two or something like that, and the whole assembly is pretty much the bridge, the block, and everything. 
and it's very, very, very weird. Uh, no, I, uh, Floyd will drop on there, but the way they've got it routed out, you'd have to like put your, your uh, trem claw screws, like almost like we'd have to put much longer trem claw screws in there or else you're going to have spring stretching a mile. It's really weird. I'll try to describe it, um, you know, off the air sometime, but that's the only thing I don't like about it. Um, it stays in tune phenomenal. And the only other little quirk about it, instead of being a three millimeter locking nut, it's like a, whatever the next size is. I'm going to just guess like a five or something. It's a very irregular. Actually, here's two wrenches. Well, you can't see, but I'll show the audience. Oh, so the size yeah. of the actual is, wow. Okay. So there's a three millimeter and whatever this other one is, the other one is about the size that you'd use on a, on a tr- typical truss rod. And I wish I knew the number. I don't, but it's that size. So if you've got a truss rod wrench, that's what works for the Yamaha RM Pro 2. But the guitar just play. It's an alder body, or no? I keep, yeah. No, do I alder or swamp ash? I keep getting this wrong. I think it's swamp ash. I'm gonna be corrected on this for sure. But it's a really nice piece of wood. But speaking of tone, there's a question over here in the chat. David Morgan saying, and this is a question I had written down too, because some people know you for Smashing Pumpkins and they don't know your back catalog, uh, and other people are obsessed with your back catalog. Um, and maybe this is an opportunity for you to tell some of the new new fans of yours. He's saying your tone with uh, Violet Burning was inspirational. Can you tell us a little bit about the, that that group? And you've got quite a bit of a catalog with them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, yes, that was kind of the first, like, good band I was ever in when mm-hmm. I was – I joined that band when I was 18. And we're a band from Southern California. And um, – I'm still Michael Pritzel, the lead singer. I'm still like really close with him. Um, he's just a good, dear friend of mine. And, um, yeah, the album he's probably talking about is we did one kind of album. I think it came out in 96. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, and you know, and that was very much like, of like 90s alternative rock, you know, um, very much in the vein of pumpkins and um, Jane's addiction and that kind of stuff. Um, but maybe a little more, um, you know, Neil Young too, or something like that. Um, but definitely we weren't like a grungy band, like Soundgarden or right. anything like that or else. Yeah. Um, more like, you know, a lot of Sonic stuff. We were really into that band um, from, from the UK, the Verve. Um, so it had a, like a lot of spacey sonics and stuff too. Um, yeah, that was a, that was that was like a band where I really went from playing in the garage to playing real shows, playing clubs, playing, doing showcases for labels, getting signed, putting out a record. Really cutting your teeth in the trenches. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So that um, and I we we did like two demos because mm-hmm. back then you know you, you know people really didn't really self-release records you know you actually did like a demo sure <laughs> there was that period so we did two demos so it's basically which would um comprise an album and then we did the full album um but then i've over the years um like on michael's the the last by the burning record he did i actually ended up i played on i don't know three or four tunes on that and then He's got a new one in the works, and I played on. I think I played maybe like on eight songs on that. Like I went, I, but it was a few years ago. I went over um, to his house. He lives in the Boston area, and we just spent like three or four days just just recording guitars. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think he's almost done with it. So yeah. So we're like I said, we're still friends, and um, like he's like I said, one of you know, one of my closest dearest friends. 
That's cool. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Good, to, good to know. Um, yeah. Here's another question from Blackie DH2. He said, uh, how did Jeff meet Billy? That's a very good question. Uh, how did I meet Billy? Um, <laughs> uh, two things. My friend uh, here in uh, my friend not here in LA. I'm in Chicago. My friend in LA. <laughs> yeah. He um, he knew somebody who worked at the Pumpkins Management Company, and so they were Billy and Jimmy were in LA finishing um, what would be the Zeitgeist record. Okay. And so they started to think about, okay, we're gonna have to tour on this record, and um, we need another guitar player, need a new guitar player in the band. And so um, my friend heard about it. And then luckily another friend of mine uh, had gotten, um, she was working as kind of doing so early, this is like early form of social media. So I think it was like their, she was doing basically their website. Okay. There was other, I, I don't, maybe MySpace was around, I think. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, and so when, and so she saw my name, my bio come in or whatever, and she was like, oh, I know Jeff. And so I was the first person they called. Nice. So I was lucky in that my name got to go to the, to the top of the list. And so that's how we met. And so actually um, I'm, she, Tatiana is her name. She had, it was like her birthday, kind of right when I kind of put my name in the hat. And she said, Billy's coming to my birthday party. Why don't you come and I'll introduce you guys. So I think we first met at his, at this, at her birthday party. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's a very cool story. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was one of those things where we played together a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but since they were in LA for a long time, mm-hmm. like it wasn't like, oh, let's just have one audition and either you're in it. It was like, hey, let's play together. They would. They were super cool. They were like, hey, you know, after like, come hang out at the studio, watch us record. Let's just hang out, eat lunch together, just get to know each other, to see how we, how we vibe as people together. That, so that's awesome. It was really something that that um, progressed over time. Is is Billy the type of person that sometimes he'll say to you, like, would he come to you and say, well, well, Jeff, what would you do in a situation like this? If you guys are working on some arrangements, whatever, does he ask you for a suggestion sometimes? Oh, or yeah, we work on everything, like, like. You know, he's definitely like he's the the ringleader, right? Of course, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, but because it, it, you know, but we all, you know, all of us are like, hey, why don't we do this? Or let's try this? Or how about you know, if you and I do this thing on the guitar together? Or you know, yeah, no, it's it's very collaborative once we're in the room playing. That is awesome. Something yeah, you can yeah. share with them sometime next time you're seeing them. Like I feel so bad. Like I've I've known Smashing Pumpkins since I was you know a teenager, late teen, whatever and heard everything on the radio and one of the banjos and we covered one song, you know, back in the day. Um, I don't even remember which one it was, but you know, I, I heard the songs, I liked them, but I didn't really know about the band per se overall. And coming to see you guys was the only time I've ever seen you. I was like, one of those things where it's like, what have I been doing my whole life? Why have I not embraced this band? And that's another thing that we're, we're kind of losing out. We're losing live music. People just aren't going to see live music anymore and take a chance on bands that you would have never gone to see. And I just never had the opportunity to see you guys, but go see bands, go any bit local, whether it's, it's a crazy, it's, it's becoming like, you know, I think the way that we play mm-hmm. and which is similar to a lot of the bands that you and I respect and like is, you know, it's, it, it, it it's like, it's almost becoming like a lost art. It is like that type of rock and roll. Yep. I mean, it's, it, and it will reach a point to where, you know, a lot of, 
you know, the whatever. I think if even if like Led Zeppelin wanted to play again, even if they did get together, I think it would be tough just because of the age. You know, I mean, I it's like like the sadly, you know, we're I mean, I'm almost 45 and, you know, you only have so many years at the hands or not, you know, are yeah. going to function at a high level that's where arthritis and things like that can set in and even at a younger yeah. age yeah i mean it's that's that's a reality that you have to even as as healthy as you want to be i mean that's just stuff like you know doing some with that kind of repetitive motion is playing guitar is is you know at some point not to be able to do it and there's a yeah. lot of art that's dying. There's a lot of art, and I'm, music is is one of them for sure. Like we just said, but also photography because I'm a, I'm I'm a photographer for my business as well too. And I know Adam Reaver. He's he's a great photographer. I've got some friends that are photographers. And what we're doing right now is we're letting that die. And I'm sure you might agree with me on this. We, we whether we take a million photos on our phone or we have our good camera gear, we bring them home, we dump them to our computers, we throw them on the drive. But how often do we print them out like in albums like our parents used to? You know what I mean? Remember those it's days as kids? It's a different experience, right? Yeah. To sit there and, you know, look through it, uh, you know, on like a physical page. It's just a different experience. It is. And, and you know, the digitization of culture is is great for certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, um, uh, like when I'm traveling, it's nice to be able to have like, you know, on my whole digital you know, music catalog on my phone. Yeah, you know, right there. Which is, which is, which is cool. But when I'm at home, man, it's like so much better to listen to a record, a vinyl record, or a CD. I, I mean, it's you know what you know what I started actually even what I did the other day, which blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, kind of you know highlights the fact of how degraded the quality of music has gotten in terms of sonic quality. Mm-hmm. Is I started listening with headphones to my iPod. Okay. And I'm like, wow, this sounds so much better than streaming music off my phone. Sure. And, you know, so even that is like, you know, we, and let alone if you listen to, you know, a CD, you know, or or a a record. So, yeah, I'm very much a a tactile person, as you can kind of see. I mean, you can see this is just like, I have a zillion (laughs) books. And that's just like, this is just stuff that is in my little music. Yeah, I like that. Room. I mean, I have. I'm a big book collector, and um, yeah, I like printed matter. You know what I mean? So, like that stuff is cool. Mm-hmm. And I have a gazillion vinyl records, and I have like all the records I bought. Like it, it, it it's funny. Like if you saw, like, I have like, like my Quiet Riot Metal Health record from yeah. 1983 is still in almost in pristine condition. Nice. And I still have it. I it's, it's traveled with me every every place I've ever lived in my life. <laughs> that's so that's got history. That's got real history to it. It brings the memories from house to house, city to city, state to state. Yeah, it's. I mean, even like my Rat Out of the Cellar record. Yeah, I think it still has the original. Because I used to, you know, I would open the plastic, you know, slit open the the, the plastic and, and leave it on. Okay. And so it still has like the original plastic with, I think, a price of five ninety eight from the with brand new <laughs> oh that's wicked the first time we got back into vinyl here i got back into vinyl to introduce junior to it because you know he was born into a uh into an era where cds were uh, going out you know what i mean and so that's how that's how bad the technology is today well i mean it's good and bad you know what i mean by that yeah, but the yeah. first record we had um, a nice turn we got a nice turntable fairly decent stereo system with a nice subwoofer and everything the only thing that's really lacking is our preamp 
uh, for the turntable. So I want to get a good preamp, but it's it does yeah, the job. Yeah. And the first record we played together and we listened to was uh, a 1984. And I, and I remember the experience, and I'm not I'm not ashamed to say this. When I started playing it, I had kind of tears in my eyes because I was instantly transported back to when I was a teenager, and I, and I remember the memories reading those liner notes. And it took me the whole time, even though there's only 400 words probably, including lyrics and everything on a liner note, it took you the entire record to get through them because you were just reading word for word, produced by, written by, you know, published by. Thanks to these people, and it was such an experience. I'll never forget that. You instantly transported back to a teenager. No, it's so cool. It's so cool. I mean, and I've gotten, you know, especially Van Halen, I've gotten all those albums. Um, I've gotten the reissues of, of of the first couple, even though I have original pressings mm-hmm. of, of some of those as well. But I mean, all that's, it, it, it's just, it's just so cool. It you is. I mean? it's, and it sounds so great. And I like to listen to things like that, like like it, I think it's it, it's an enlightening experience to listen to music that it, to listen to the format that was the primary format when the record came out. So Van Halen, it was the LP. That's right. I mean? So that's um, so I think that's always like from a, just a historical perspective, that's like a good place to start. But you know, I but now I'm buying even new. Like I you know I went to, you know I was so happy. I went to my local record store just down the street the other day. And they had Jason Becker's new album. Oh, I want to ask you about Jason. So we're going to ask you about that in a second. That's yeah, cool. So yeah. it's there. And, and so I bought, I, I, you know, and I already had it. I bought the CD. Mm-hmm. I got the CD. Pre, I had pre-ordered the CD. So that actually, I already had it. But they had the vinyl. And I, and I just bought it, too, just because I want to. For sure. Know, from, because I, the vinyl, it looks amazing. Yeah. But then also just to support Jason and what he's done and Wonderful you know, the being. amazing album he made what a great record, right? Well, here's, here's a really unique thing is that some people don't know this. Um, last year at this time, so you're my final guest of 2018, which I, I'm very honored. I'm blessed to have you here. And I, like, I've become friends with you now, um, but I'm blessed to have you here. But this time last year, the guest here, the last guest of the year was Jason. Uh, oh, how cool. He yeah, was, yeah. he was here and it was, I mean, Jason's cracking jokes. Like that's what she said. And like literally, actually, I've had him on twice at New Year's, uh, the year before that as well too. And I'm I'm cr- literally crying. He's got me crying. I'm, I'm switching cameras so people can't see me cry on the air because I'm crying laughing. Um, but we had Jason on the show, and you had the opportunity back around the summer as well too to uh, to kind of live out a kind of a, a childhood dream as well too to kind of meet uh, Jason. What was that experience like? I can imagine. I'd like to live it through you. Um. Well, because of you, you know. You you know you posted a picture and I was wearing that cacophony shirt right <clears throat> and so hit um, Jason's you know one of his closest friends and a an awesome guy Dave Lopez yes saw it and so he reached out to you and said hey if Jeff ever wants to meet Jason I'll arrange it and if it was through anybody else like like because I felt like going like there's no way like this is not gonna happen like this is <laughs> too good to be true like you know i mean it seems sketchy seems weird but i'm like but eric's this is like through it kind of through it so i'm like i i mean it seems like legit and you know so emailed a couple emails back and forth with dave and we were you know we were going to be out on you know the bay area the san francisco oakland bay area in a couple weeks and so we worked it out and and I had seen that since I had seen the documentary, I knew where Jason's house was. Mm-hmm. But as me and my friend, and I and I took, <clears throat> and I was lucky that one of my good friends that lives in Oakland, this guy Jeff Halderson, who's a, 
again, one of those people like, you know, like Adam, like Jeff Benj here in Chicago, just he's, um, has an archival knowledge of Bay Area music, you know, of all music, but it's particularly stuff from that scene. So he was very familiar with Jason and Jason's story. And we drove up, he picked me up in my hotel, we drove out there. And until I got to his house, like when we pulled up, I was like, are we being like conned? Is this going to really happen? You know what I mean? Where's Ashton Kutcher or that punky or something? Yeah. Like, or like, is this like, you know, but then, you know, and I, then I started getting like a little bit like nervous, like what's it going to be like walking in when he's there and, but, and I'm not sugarcoating this by at all. From the second I walk through the front door and you know, there's no buffer zone. It's like, it's a small house and, it's not like you walk in and then you be like, oh, hey, you're going to meet his parents and they're going to take you to Jason's room. Like you walk in the door and he's right there. <laughs> he's right there. And from the first second, I didn't, it didn't feel strange at all. Like it felt warm, kind, loving, compassionate, funny, you know, and we did, I spent like the whole afternoon there. Oh, and he awesome. he let me play every single one of his guitars. That's so the that's Blue cool. Carbon, the Hurricane guitar, the Mojo, all I mean, like you know the the one guitar that he was having made. I think I think it was a PV prototype, maybe with yep. the numbers. Yep. You know that was kind of built when he was doing the David Lee Roth stuff. I mean, how? I mean, and he was just like he's like play it, you know. And you know what's so cool about him is. He doesn't. He's hyper aware of every single thing that's going on. That's what you're saying, yeah. You know, and he can, like, when he watches you play whatever, he can tell you, like, if you're playing, he'll, you know, if you're trying to play something, he'll be like, yeah, F sharp, you know, one more fret. Like he knows, like the shapes and patterns, he can still see them all over the neck. It's it's really cool. Um, we hung out. Um, his parents are, are really wonderful. They like, are. They're amazing people. Um, and, you know, Dave was cool and as well. And they played me. I got to hear like like five or six songs off the new album as well. And, yeah, it was, it was you know, I think about him a lot, you know, and I don't – and I try not to think about him, you know, I, I you know, and he he's so inspirational mm-hmm. that – it's like an understatement to say that he's inspirational. I know. Because, I know what you mean. Because, you know, life is difficult for all of us. And let's just break it down to being a musician, being a, a decent guitar player. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I mean, it's 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 like it's hard to play guitar well, you know. Um, but then when you think about him, you're like, wow, he's wrote and composed this whole new album. And he can only move his eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he's worked through whatever limitations he's had to confront at such a high level that it makes me go like, okay, I shouldn't, you know, it just makes me humble in that way and go, don't complain about your, you know, we all have limitations. That's right. And we just deal with them. But so, yes, he is, like I said, beyond inspirational in that way. And I think about him a lot. You know, I, I do. I think about him a lot and I have his records around and. So I see them all the time, and it and it reminds me, makes me think of that. But 
when I talk about him, if I post about him or anything, I always try to highlight the fact that beyond the inspirational part, Jason is an amazing musician. Yeah, certainly. Still. still yes, I still, know. He is an, his compositional skills are just as good, if not better, than they've ever been. Yeah, I mean, when you listen to the melodies and, and chord structures he composes on this record, you know, I mean, because there's a lot of music that's like kind of more classically based mm -hmm. music, and I really love it. Yeah. You know, it's really cool stuff. And when you listen to like the melodies and stuff he's writing and the the counterpoints and the harmonies that are going on, I mean, you're talking like this guy's a, a just a gifted music writer. Yes. A, you know? And and I, I I just hope that people would see that in him as well and not just like the the story of like wow okay he's he's alive yeah i mean that is miraculous that he's even you know that he's still alive but the fact that he, he's just a great composer you know and I, and i get the sense sometimes that you know i don't know i don't want to speak for him but i think he wants to just be like hey i'm a musician exactly exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be a musician to be inspired by that gentleman. You just have to have a pulse, and you are inspired. I mean, it's what he's done. And it's really funny, on a, on a side note, where we can end in a moment on a really uh, happy, funny note, I call this a zone thing. Sometimes you mention someone's name, and then all of a sudden they show up. I remember working in a music store, we talk about a customer or whatever, and all of a sudden they'd show up. It's like, I haven't seen this customer in 10 years, and they say their name, and they show up. We, we talk yeah, about yeah. we talk about Dave Lopez and Mr. Lopez himself is here in the chat. Nah, Dave. And, and he how says he says, um, uh, "When are you coming to see uh, Jason, Eric?" Okay, I have the invitation. Thank you. I appreciate that. I will try to do that as soon as possible. And he's also giving me nice props on my mustache. Thank you. I'll take the grooming <laughs> tips from you. I appreciate that. And he's also saying, uh, "You guys got me all choked up." Well, you know what? He, he uh, Dave is a great friend to Jason. You know, I mean, he is. I think they're inseparable, really. They're 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 brothers. They're they're brothers. They're, yeah, for sure, for yeah, sure. Good, a good man. Dave. And, and you know what I love about it? Like just becoming, you know, uh, you know, I I would be honored if they considered me a friend. You know what I mean? But even friendly with them is that it it really reminds me of of that time in the you know early to mid eighties when we all started kind of really playing guitar and kind of just that type of excitement level. And I remember Dave talking about hearing about, yeah, there's this dude down the street who can play like this. And you're like, you almost don't want to believe it because it makes you feel like insecure about your own playing, you know, when you were a kid and then you see someone with that much talent, you know, in front of you, it, um, I know. you know, you would hear like, it's now it's, you know, he's like local legends. Now it's like, you know, twelve-year-old kids are all over Instagram playing. Yep. You know, it's like it's it's like it's not like you don't need to discover them. You need to like hide from them. <laughs> you know I know. I, mean? I know. I'm just I'm just joking. But, I know. You no, know, but it really makes me realize, like, when you would hear about, dude, there's this dude down the street, and he can play. You're like, he can play as fast as Ingve. You're like, no, you're lying. Yep. <laughs> you know, he can't. <laughs> it's crazy. You want you want to hear a funny story? I haven't even shared this with Dave, and uh, Dave has told Jason. So we're going to share the funny story with all of you right now. So last time those guys are on the show, uh, Jason and Dave are playing as little snippets, some some rarities of David Lee Roth, and some little tiny hints of what was coming from the album and stuff like that. And they don't know this. I got a copyright strike from their label, and and I and I'm, I'm like, but it was Jason playing it. <laughs> it's so funny. Literally got a copyright strike on my channel. 
and it was the artist himself playing it. I, I mean, I, I like that. It's a very funny story. I just think it's so ironic, isn't it? How does it, how does, is it just like an algorithm that like identifies? Yeah, okay, yeah. so they, they don't even, I was going to say, it's not like somebody. There are some just, manual ones. There are some that are physically manual. They will, they'll, they'll say, they'll get a, well, actually, they'll come out and listen to some stuff. Or if, let's say, I was to put Jason Becker new album on my title, they're going to, maybe I'm just talking about the record. Maybe not playing any music, but they're automatically going to assume that I've got some in there. And I've heard some stories, horror stories of people getting, and not with Jason's music, any people's music, um, that they'll just, these greedy people come out there and they'll grab it, right? But a lot of it is algorithms, like you say. So when an artist releases an album, it gets indexed, it gets sent to YouTube. And then as soon as there's an auto match and the digital publishers will have software on there. And I've seen both ends of the software. The digital publishers will see, oh, Eric has played a song. Um, and then do, do I want to claim that one or do I want to let it slide? And they have the option to let it go or whatever, right? Um, but a lot of cases they'll claim it. But I thought it was very cute. It's a funny story and I could care less that I got a copyright strike on it. It doesn't hurt my channel or anything like that. But it's really, it'd be like if Eddie Van Halen come on and played, you know, uh, and like it plays Eruption and you get in trouble for it. But, it's, but it was Eddie. You know what I mean? He played it himself. Oh, wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So what does, I mean, not that people want to, you know, but what does it mean when you get a, a copyright strike? Like you get, if you get so many, then it could be a problem. Yeah. If you've got a whole bunch of them and, and you can dispute them and things like that. And if you, if you lose after you dispute, then you can get like a flag on your channel. After you get three, you could technically lose your channel. So you got to be careful. Um, you know, and that's why more and more people now are using royalty free music when they're doing their things. Usually when I'm playing, I only play my own music and it drives some people crazy. Um, but at least you don't get in trouble for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So funny stories. Uh, one of your other biggest fans, uh, is in the, uh, is in the chat right now. Bane rocks my son, Eric, who met you. Uh, he's, uh, jumping in to say <laughs> hi. Tell him I said hello. Hello. For sure. Hello, Junior. Yeah. All right. And um and yeah, and David says labels are annoying. Um, but yeah, it was just a funny story to share for sure. Uh last question, I think uh Dustin Webster says, Did you get a chance to play James original Les Paul custom? Does it have any special mojo? Or maybe you might uh, and is, or do you prefer any fifty eight or fifty nine Les Pauls? I've seen Smashing Pumpkin seventeen times. <laughs> Bunch of questions. He's asking uh, Um, have I played it? I don't think I uh I may have picked it up for a second, um, but but nothing more than a few chords. So I can't really. Um, it sounds great, you know. He has uh, he has changed the pickups in it um, for this, but he has the originals. But he yeah, uh, he kind of carries that guitar around. Like I think that's one of like you know that I think he he doesn't sleep with it, but right. when he he definitely takes it home with him, like. You know, he doesn't leave it like in the warehouse. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's a travel so, yeah, back and forth. Yeah, so I think it's definitely um, it's got a lot of sentimental value to him. Good for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it? And then there was one other question about. Um, let's see. And uh, do you have any special mojo? And do you prefer fifty eight or fifty nine Les Pauls? Oh, um, I have um, two um, of the whatever what do they call it r6 okay or whatever i prefer the 60s neck um which is slimmer than the than the 59 i do so i i, I like the slightly but i do love those I, i've never played an original 59 so i can't i can't comment on what it's like but the of the reissue ones i've um i did have a 50s reissue gold top and oh my god it sounded amazing but I sold it because, and I used it on. I it was like my main guitar on. I used it on the Monuments for an Elegy um, record, um, 
it sounds phenomenal, but the neck was so big. Yeah. And I just, I just, I was like, you know, I can't deal with it. So I actually sold it to my, um, my good friend, Scott Marceau, my Yamaha artist rep. So okay. he owns it. Oh, very <laughs> so cool. So it's still in the family. It's still in the family. I mean, I could probably, if I really wanted it back, I could get it back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Offer a price, get it back. That's cool. Um, but yeah, this, I, I, this, those 60, um, the, the, standard it's like the it's like you know that looks like the jimmy page guitar but it's got like the slimmer neck and i have actually the whole lot of humbuckers in it so i really has like that zeppelin kind of sound in it they're great i mean it's definitely a thing you know um i love them yeah cool well good good answer as we wrap up here, um, I just want to ask you, and some of these things you may not be able to address, but we got the tour starting back in starting in May after the new year, and you're going to be going overseas. Is there anything that you can share with us that uh, might um, get Smashing Pumpkins fans excited or just hang on and see what's coming down on the website? It'll be a different show. Okay. It will not be the, it's not going to be a continuation of the Shiny you No know, So Bright um, oh. state. So it'll be a different uh, set, um, staging and stuff. So okay. um, that I can tell you. Okay. Uh, what the staging will be um it's not that i gonna or what the set's gonna be is we haven't talked about it yet gotcha so makes total sense. <laughs> we haven't so uh, there's really um but we're super excited to go back um i mean we're i mean if we could play tomorrow i think we would oh you know? yeah I bet. Um, the the one thing you know that i will that i can honestly share with people and, and for the people that care is that um, um, is that we get along great. Like we have so much fun together. That's awesome know? to hear. And, um, like the, and that's something that you can't really manufacture. No. You know? Um, and I think a lot of it just has to do with, you know, man, once you, I think it's, you get a little bit older and you realize like kind of how precious time is beat well time and just how lucky it is to actually be a musician Mm -hmm. and a working musician and the fact that you know that you can put gas in your car because Mm -hmm. you play the guitar or something like that that you know i mean let alone you know other things i mean like that's that's cool stuff you know i mean and so just the fact that hey you know this band people want to see it people love those tunes people love those songs like Man, it's 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 cool stuff to be able to do. So I think we all appreciate that and value that, and so that makes going and playing the shows. But I mean, we actually really care about playing good. <laughs> you know like you mean? said and, earlier too, you said it really, really well. Where you said, you know, a lot of bands is probably true as well too. But it was especially with Smashing Pumpkins, you guys check your egos at the door, and that probably goes a long way. It's hard, and it's hard sometimes, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because sometimes you want it to be about you. You know, we're ego, humans in general, we're ego-driven, and, mm-hmm. and you're like, hey, you know, like, Watch I don't want to play. play rhythm guitar here, but if that's what makes the song sound great, then, you know, that's that's what we'll do, you know? And, uh, yeah, you know, I think if you really, I th- you know, not that I'm here to give advice to anybody, but, like, something that for me personally is I found – you know, something that for me personally has been valuable is that I found that if I really focus on being like just a good musician, mm-hmm. you know, I, I find like th- certain like the other things that are not so great about being in a band become less intense. Okay. 
you know, that it's really, if you're, if your focus every day is like, Hey, I just really want to become a better guitar player. I want to become a better musician. And so, and you're using every moment to really kind of focus on that. That it seems to like kind of center my world in a little, in a way that makes, um, you know, being in a band a lot easier. Absolutely fantastic advice. I was going to ask earlier for a piece of advice on, you know, kind of working with a three-piece or three-guitar player band, and you answered that. This is a much more valuable piece of advice. I think that's fantastic where a lot of people can really take that uh, to the bank as far as improvement on themselves, you know, and then working with, and it could be with their family, it could be with their their band family, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it is, you know what I mean? Because, you know, you really have to have compassion for your band members if you want it to work long term you know if it's a band you know i mean if it's if you're a hired musician you know if you're playing for like a a pop star or something you know that's that's something different you know that's a different type of really but like this is you know kind of different in that you know we're a quote-unquote a band and you know you're traveling together and all that kind of stuff and um you know like you know it's it's like really you know, having, you know, having, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to articulate like what I'm trying to say. I guess what I'm trying to say is you really have to have um, a mentality of where you really have everybody else's best interest in mind as well. Exactly. And as Quentin and James, think, yeah, yeah. My buddy Quentin James in the chat says it's usually the business end that makes playing a drag. And that's true. Once you sometimes you got to start talking about the business. Oh and, my God. It's, it ruins my day sometimes. I know. You know I mean? It really does. Like, you know, you get the email from management or whatever, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, are you, you know, um, <laughs> sometimes can kill the creative <laughs> yeah. spirit sometimes. It's hard. It's yeah. hard. It's hard. Even when, even when I'm in a situation as lucky as being in the Smashing Pumpkins, you know, I mean, it, it, it's like that stuff is hard. You know, it's not. You know, not every day is easy, and you know, it's 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 you know, and it's like the plane is almost kind of the easy part. It's the other stuff. Sometimes it really does can be, become a drag. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Well, and it's hard, but that's what I mean. That's what I say. Like, it's, if your if your goal is to be a musician, and then and doing and making music music based decisions, I think that that helps. It's not always realistic because no. you know it's it sounds easy to say you know, but sometimes you got to pay the bills. Yep. And you know what I mean. And that means like, all right, let's play you know, Uptown Funk one more time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Free birth. laughs> that's right. That's right. It yeah. happens. It happens. Yeah, you know, like my friend, you know, my neighbor is a great guitar player and he plays in the cover band here mm-hmm. in Chicago and you know, he does his own music too and but he's like, man, he's like the first time and that reason I used for the he's like the first time I had to play that song Uptown Funk, I like I really like set my head spinning. <laughs> I, I can remember years ago, my bass player in our band, would we were a cover band slash original too, and um, a band who I respected after the singer passed away was Tragically Hip here in Canada. They're kind of oh, like... Yeah, 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 massive, massive there. And my ba- I didn't really like them. My, my bass player hated them. So we'd have our set list, and if all of our, si- uh, our, our songs were printed in a size 15 font, we'll say, he would print the Tragically Hip in a size 2 font. So it just looked like a black stain on the set list. And you'd, you'd skip over the set, right? But people liked it. You get people dancing and drinking, and the bar owner loves that. You know, it's this vicious circle that you have to go through. You're not there to play the music you like, you know, when you're, you know, the the bar guys. You're there to pr- please the bar owner and please the crowd. Yeah, and I think, though, see, that's, that's a, 
you know, I, not that I idealize like that type of situation, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I think as a musician, as a guitar player, like doing, cutting your teeth, doing stuff like that, like having to play in those types of situations and just, yep. and having to play such a wide variety of songs and make them sound good. I think that that's actually really beneficial. Great experience. It is for sure. Yeah. 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 You 100%. know what I mean? Like in, you know, I mean, it's one thing to play something in your bedroom. It's another thing to play, you know, mm-hmm. Wheel in the Sky solo by Journey. Like, oh, I know. <laughs> I know. And that's another thing, too. I was telling Junior the other day, he, he's playing the guitar in the bedroom and he wants to sit down on the bed to play. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. No problem. But I also want you to stand up and play, too. That's where a lot of these kids today were, you know, like the younger generation, they're home with the greatest gear in the world now with modeling and amps and all that kind of stuff, pedals, computer software, and they can sit on the edge of the bed and they can shred like nothing. Then they get up, their friends come out and say, come, let's go to an open jam night, open mic night. And they get on stage and they stand up. I can't play what I used to play. You, yeah, you know? right. I know. Yeah. I know. It's like, oh, got to work on a little bit of both. You can be spoiled in the bed. <laughs> I, I play much better sitting down too. And I saw a funny thing about Phil X. This was uh, kind of going off on a tangent. But Phil X was uh, doing a thing over at GitCon. It might have it been with Steve from Boston or one of those guys. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so Phil's sitting down, he's playing something and he goes, oh my God, I'm, I'm messing this up. And he's like, I can't play sitting down. It's the complete opposite. He he's never sits down to play. He's always standing up. It's smart. I mean, because... I mean, especially for more intricate things, it, it's your hand, the angle of your wrist. Yes. To the, I mean, yeah, I know. It's very, very, very interesting. Uh, but I, I can't do it. I, I always practice sitting down. Yeah, I, I know. We're getting older too, right? We, we take that luxury and we, it feels better to sit down, doesn't it? I just got to sit down. I know. I hear you. <laughs> I'll wrap up with a couple of comments here. Um, Adam EVH says, uh, thank you, Eric Nocturnal Butterfly uh, and Jeff. Hope everyone has a great 2019. All the best to all. Um, Quentin says, what's Adam says, uh, Blackie DH says, you're a good dude, Jeff. So glad uh, to hear it. Brad Miller. Thanks, Eric, Sandra, and Jeff for hanging out. Have a great new year. Uh, JJ's House of Jams. What a great night. David Morgan. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, I'm second one says, I refuse to stand up and play. No problem, man. It's all good. Um, and, and he says, uh, he's uh, in touch with his coach and Quentin James says, Phil X is a hoot. So listen, as we wrap up here, we ran a little bit longer tonight, but I, that's nice. This is a, this is a 2018 wrap up special. Jeff, uh, thank you so much for your uh, very oh, valuable time. Thank you time. for having me. It's always a pleasure. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's, a uh, you know, I don't mind talking. I could talk about this stuff all day long. So. I know. I know. It's, it's, yeah. you don't realize how quickly the time goes by. And I've said this to guests on the show before too. Some people that are new, I'll say, um, yes, we're going to do a 90 minute program. And sometimes I'm talking to them. A lot of times I'm talking to their management. And they're like, oh no, 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 no. So-and-so we only do 15 minutes here, whatever. I'm like, just trust me. And then, so the artist will come on the show and after, after the third question, and then about after the seventh, eighth question, it's time to go. And they're like, we're done. And it's like, I told you it flies. It's just two guys had talking about sometimes the women are on the show as well too. Time just flies when you're having fun with yeah, talking gear. No, yeah, no, it's, I mean, this is like, you know, it, it's, you know, I really appreciate because it's, 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 you know, I, I really feel like this is building like different types of communities of, in guitar communities that are kind of different because I mean, I think we talk about gear here mm-hmm. a little bit, in, even though it's like, obviously you're, page called evh gear tv but it's 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 different than than like a gear review you know i mean and so much of content now is is gear centric where you know it's yeah you know i like watching your show because i like to hear 
some of my favorite players talk about like more of like the psychology of yeah life. and some yeah, of what's I going think, on in their life sometimes just home and stuff. that's and that's what's sadly been you know in kind of guitar journalism and like the major publications has kind of missed that part they've they've gone you know because probably the numbers that are driven they've gone to more of like a gear centric type of content mm-hmm. and and it's which is you know it's important and you know i mean and believe me i'm just as obsessed with anybody sure um, with it too but you know the players are you know are more important you know i want to know i want to find out what you know well, why i want to find out not like what paul gilbert is using yeah you know like why he chose that sound exactly like, that thing and like you know what's the thought process and i think like that's you know maybe even more important than the what I, I agree with that 100%. And sometimes you, the things that you hear these people say, you know, you don't get to hear them in the typical magazine interviews and things like that. And I, for me, the, what I love about this, first and foremost, is being to get to talk to cool musicians that you've idolized your whole life. And, and you're an example tonight. I uh, have great pleasure speaking with you again. But when I retired from the music scene in 2012, I did my share of touring and things like that. It was starting to kill me. And now I, when I'm done this show, like my family's a big part of the show, as you know. Uh, they're all involved in this. We're all, we all share the channel. We all put everything into the channel. But the minute I say goodnight to you, like when, I, when I'll say goodnight to the audience, I always say goodnight to my guest off the air. And then I, I hit stop and I, go, I open the door and there I am with my family. I don't have to travel. I don't have to be coming home at three o'clock in the morning. And I'm still involved in the music scene and it's, it's surrounded by love in the music scene with family and friends. And it's, it's just, it's a fun thing to do. No, and totally, and just, you know, even me leaving, like, after talking, it makes me go, like, it's the same thing. When I get off, I'm like, wow, I feel inspired to go and practice and cool. and, and just delve more into the world of, of guitar and all that kind of stuff. So, that's I mean, awesome. that's, that's what community, it, why it's important, you know, and, you know, nowadays things are so fractured and whatnot, it's not always easy to find these people just down the street or I at know. the cup, so... The fact that we can get together online like this and and reach out, I think, is, is, is a really wonderful thing. Well, well, thank you once again. It's been a real pleasure. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air in a moment. I will yeah, text. Yeah, I'll, yeah, and I'll text you. Um, I'll, I'll turn my camera back on after we get, jump off too. Uh, I'll text you when we get to California. We'll hook up for sure, and I'll come and see you at some of your signings there. But everyone in the chat, I want to thank you uh, all so very, very much. Every single one of you. We hit some nice milestones this year. We back in November we hit 10,000 subscribers. That's all thanks to people like yourselves that really drive this channel. I'd like to take credit for it, but I don't take credit for anything that is not uh, of my nature. I just show up and talk you people show up and listen and support and help uh, tweak things for us so thank you thank you thank you uh thank you to our moderators here on the channel that you know help keep the thing nice and clean thank you to my better half <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah thank you that's we need that for sure nocturnal butterfly or sandra lee here is my better half uh thank you for everything she's done here to make the show happen this year and um i am doing one last show which isn't evh related so it was not technically the last show of the year this is the last evh show of the year uh, Sunday at a special time, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern instead of 3 p.m. Eastern, I've got John Brown from Monuments on the Helix Hour. That will be the last Helix Hour uh, broadcast of the year. 
I just want to thank everyone uh, for all the support. I hope you have a fantastic and, and most importantly, a safe new year. Uh, a lot of people like to go out and celebrate. That's awesome. But be safe. It's one of the you know, most dangerous times of the year. Be safe. Um, you know, Drinking and driving and all those kinds of things that are out there. Just be very, very careful. So have a good one, everybody. Uh, pleasure to have you here. Jeff, I'll say uh, goodbye to you off the air. Everyone, we'll see you real soon. Happy New Year. Until next time. Cheers. Hey, EVH Gear TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book. There are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.